0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I am Dr. Allie Brown. I'm here today with my co-host, Dr. Michelle Owens, who is in route. And we have two guests today, two wonderful guests. They're both head and neck surgeons at UMMC. Dr. Lana Jackson and Dr. Gina Jefferson. So some strong, professional, smart ladies in here. We're going to talk about oral cancer screening. They have a big event coming up next week in Flowood to screen whoever wants to be screened for oral cancer. Who needs it? Who needs to be screened for oral cancer? What causes oral cancer? We're going to talk about all these things. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring This is Southern Remedy for Women from MPB Think Radio.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBOnline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing health and wellness from a woman's perspective. Oh my gosh, Owens Rah. is over there cutting up already with her vocal fry. But <laughs> sh- today we have two that was a drum roll. very important ladies with us. We have a, a room full of female physicians, which I love. Smart, strong women. It's we girl doctor. That's right. Girl doctor. In addition to me and Dr. Michelle Owens, or in addition to Dr. Michelle Owens and. My We, we have interview. Dr. Gina Jefferson and Dr. Lana Jackson from UMMC. They are both otolaryngologists who specialize in head and neck surgery. ENT so, docs in the house. That's right. She Yay. and T, if you will. She, and T. she gonna, and T. They have a big event coming up next Wednesday, which I'm going to have them talk about a free oral cancer screening event. We're going to talk about oral cancer and Come when, get your oral you get screening. Screened? That's right. Open but, up and say ah. Oh. That's right. But oh, for, I love that. We'll talk about should, what should go on at your dental appointments, right? Because people should be looking in your mouth regularly. Absolutely. Sometimes the dentists are the ones who get to do the first examination.
2: That's right. That. You should look in your own mouth. You know, I did that this morning. I've been a, I've been doing a little scratchy throat thing. You know, so What's I had to look, I had to look in my own mouth today.
3: And
0: <clears throat> what did you see?
2: Um, I saw some tonsils. I still got them. They're back there.
3: I have mine, too. Mm -hmm. Mine, too. I don't. However, (laughs) you can actually be instructed on how to perform your own oral exam. Yeah, but you have to use your fingers, don't you? Well, it's very simple. If you visit the Oral Head and Neck Cancer Awareness site okay well let's first talk about who you
0: guys are so dr jefferson will you tell us a little bit about yourself and then we're going to get right into the world cancer and and then dr jackson i'm starting with jefferson Jefferson. she's closer to me the two presidents the two dead
3: presidents we are that jefferson and jackson
0: we're essentially
4: interchangeable
3: we're the the same person
0: and they work as a team and we'll talk about how you guys function together as a clinical team frequently called dr jackson well, so, it's bad.
2: you used to be called Dr. Owen, so see things are getting better. They're
0: looking up for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dr. Jefferson, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? Tell us
3: about your training. Gina Jefferson, from Cleveland, Ohio. Originally, I am go a, LeBron. Oh, or no, are not anymore. Not not delayed, sorry. Head and neck surgical oncologist at the University of Mississippi, specializing in treating patients with tumors of the head and neck region. Um, I also do microvascular reconstruction to put people back together after Dr. Jackson removes their cancer. So you guys
0: work as a team. Dr. Jackson, you're a Mississippian.
4: I am. Grew up in Meridian.
0: Aww. home girl
4: here. 20 East. Yeah, girl, girl. 20 East. I've lived on I-20 most <laughs> of my life. Just different places.
2: The I-20 corridor. Yeah,
4: for sure. The Birmingham girl gets all
2: nostalgic.
4: You were like my halfway point between, you know. There you go. Yeah. Um, So yeah, from Mississippi, I trained, uh, went to medical school here at UMC and trained at uh, the Medical College of Georgia in Augusta, Georgia, then made my way back here. And Dr. Jefferson was here before me and then left and then came back. And (laughs) now we're like the, the power couple. They're,
0: oh, they're, how cute. And for that folks is. know, they are a fantastic team. They really are. Dr. Awesome. Jackson does a lot of the large resections, and then Dr. Jefferson literally comes back and puts the patient back together. She said that before, kind of in jest, but that's actually what she does. Um, unfortunately, oh. with a lot of these advanced head and neck cancers, there's a large deficit, a, a void left where the cancer is resected. And in order to be functional, uh, we need these microvascular specialists like Dr. Jefferson to help um replace bone and soft tissue that's been taken out by folks like Dr. Jackson. So they really are very, uh, a team that works very closely together to provide for the best outcomes for our patients. But we want to talk about screening because it would be a lot better if we could catch these cancers earlier before these types of radical surgeries have to take place, right? You'd like to be put out of business, I would imagine. I'd like to have a reason <laughs> and to retire. Hogwarts, to yeah, a reason to retire. <laughs> so first, let's plug your event. It's next Wednesday, right? Yes. So So what is the event? Your event? Mm -hmm. Is this the dead president's event? What event is
3: this? Every year, there's a National Oral Head and Neck Cancer Awareness Month, and then there's a specific week where across the country, various people, healthcare providers provide some kind of educational event, or free screening, or fundraising um, endeavor to help the cause of head and neck cancer. So our event is Wednesday, April 10th at the Flowwood YMCA, 9 a.m. to noon, open to the public, free of uh, free free charge, free. 10 minutes free. of your time. Just okay, so it's free. It takes minutes? only
0: 10 minutes. It's in a convenient location for many people. What's the reason not to come, right? Should they be afraid? Is it going to hurt? No. Are you want, gonna take blood? No. no. No taking blood. No needles. Nothing. So it's gonna. No. <laughs> Owen's is afraid of needles, so she immediately. Indeed, asked about I that. cringed. So I what, what's asked. gonna happen? So what is an oral cancer um, screening exam like? What can people expect?
3: Well, unlike breast cancer or cervical cancer, there's no um, diagnostic test to um, identify um, patients. Who might have a cancer of the head and neck region um, prior to them presenting to their doctor? So there's
2: not like a head and
3: neckogram that you could go get to head see if neck-o-gram. you have cancer not exist. or a swab. A there's smear. not a swab. Yeah. Throat. <clears> throat> exactly. Me. So basically, it's a physical examination of the mouth throat and neck um, where we are looking for any lesion that might be concerning, and we would recommend a biopsy.
2: So really, it's so the screening is just making sure that t- somebody takes a real good close look. For anything that looks unusual or abnormal. That's correct. Exactly.
0: So under the tongue, down in the cheeks, by the gums. It actually takes a good bit of work to get a good look inside your mouth, right?
3: There's a lot of uh, little spots that things can be hiding. Exactly. But again, you can actually be taught how to do that yourself.
4: That's great. Move the tongue around. Put your finger in there. You want to feel. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, tumors, things that um, are abnormal, don't feel the same as normal tissue. So that's part of our exam is to actually feel inside the mouth so that we can get a sense of what else is going on.
0: So it's important to get a feel for what is normal if you're going to be doing this exam on yourself. Absolutely. And somebody there can also show the people who get screened how they
2: can
3: kind of do their own checkups and kind of do their own assessment. huh? Precisely. We'll also have pamphlets that have a step-by-step pictorial of how to do that that you can leave with. And who should be screened for oral cancer? Who are
0: the
4: most uh, applicable populations that should probably really make it a point to show up at the screening? Sure. So head and neck cancer, um, while it is not the top of the list of cancers that occur um, in the United States, it is about the fourth most common I'd cancer. say
0: that's pretty significant.
4: So um, there are two very large risk factors. The primary risk factor is tobacco use. Okay. And tobacco in any form.
2: Okay, so that's not just smoking, right? Not just smoking. Tobacco in any form. So the chew, snuff counts too, huh? Snuff, snuff, counts. dip, all of it. Mm-hmm. Snuff counts. Counts.
4: <laughs> all that. So any kind of tobacco, yeah, pipe smoker, cigar Pipes. smoker, cigarette smoker, snuff, dip, all of it.
0: Okay. So think about coming to this event if you currently or have a history of using tobacco.
4: And also heavy or frequent alcohol use; those okay. are our two Let's big. <laughs> <laughs> those are our two big risk factors, and they are not additive. So, if you are someone who is a heavy smoker and a heavy drinker, then it is a multiplier. So, uh, it, so doing, it both. Is doing mm-hmm. both. Exponential makes, is a huge increase in your risk.
0: And a lot of people, um, they talk about. Oh, I only smoke when I'm drinking, so those two things tend uh, to go together, right? So yeah, yeah. So it, it's how about age ranges? What age do you recommend
4: folks get screened? Well, most of our patients are over fifty, but but you want to catch it before then, right? <laughs> but you want to catch it before then, and you certainly want to educate folks if you're younger, you know, on ways that you can stop smoking. There are lots of things that we have available to us, the ACT Center. Uh, to help with smoking cessation. So if, if you are a smoker and you're under 50 and you've been smoking for 10, 15, 20 years and that's possible right mm-hmm. so um, particularly in the south it's not uncommon for us to hear patients tell us they started smoking when they were a teenager okay. so um, so a long use of a long history of using tobacco um, you know we want to see those patients even if they're not in our highest risk range. So don't
0: think you can't get head and neck or uh, oral cancer just because you're in your 40s I mean it, this is a good thing to start this screening Absolutely. I mean technically yeah. you Absolutely. should you should get screened when you see your, de- on your regular dental technically, evaluations. Technically your yeah.
3: dentist as um, as espoused by the American Dental Association should be performing an oral head neck exam with every dental cleaning.
2: So, um, and I'm going to make sure everybody knows our phone lines are, are wide open and we are taking your calls today. So um, if you have a question or a comment, please give us a call. Um, oh, and we are getting ready to take <laughs> our first break of the hour. But um, when we come back, we can talk about that a little bit because there may be some folks who once you heard, once you heard that, hey, I go to the dentist twice a uh, twice a year so I might not even need to be screened um, because I'm getting that screening twice a year so we'll talk about that and a little bit more coming up next on Southern Remedy for Women here on MPB Think Radio.
0: at Southern Remedy for Women. I'm Dr. Allie Brown. I'm here with Dr. Michelle Owens. And we have two guests in our studio today, Doctors Gina Jefferson and Lana Jackson, who are head and neck surgeons at UMMC. The talking the, Right, talking about oral cancer screening. Our phone number to call in is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also email us at women on mpbonline.org, we have two callers on the line right now. We're going to go ahead and start and go with Harry, who's calling us from Vidalia, Louisiana, home of the onion. <laughs> hey, Harry.
5: Good morning. Good
0: morning. What's your I question? have,
5: yeah. I have a, a better term to call it. I'm calling it a lesion. On uh, my lower lip, it's not painful. Uh, it's not too unsightly but uh, I just was concerned what steps I should take, if any, to see if it's cancerous or not.
4: So, Harry, how long has that been there?
5: Probably about six months.
4: So I have a rule of thumb. If something hadn't gone away in two weeks, uh, it gets a biopsy. So most things, that sores that occur in our mouths, Will heal within a period of two weeks if they are not something concerning. So, if if you've had something for six months and even though it hasn't changed very much, um, it deserves a biopsy. So, um, there are probably multiple healthcare providers that could do that for you. Certainly, an an otolaryngologist or an ENT doctor can do it.
2: He says it's on his lip. So, like there's so there are lots of doctors who can do biopsies. But you know, I I even I'm a surgeon. And I probably wouldn't biopsy a person's lip. So is there? So you said that because sometimes people need a referral to get to an ENT, correct? So how might if that was the concern? How could a person like say Harry's hurt us, and he says these great ENT doctors have told me this thing needs a biopsy? Who's the most appropriate
4: person, or what's the best pathway for him? If he has a primary care doctor, I would go to my primary care doctor, and. Show him that lesion, express your concerns, and I suspect he will get you to the right person, or she will get you to the right person.
5: Should that be to a dermatologist or to an oncologist?
4: So I, of course, I'm going to be biased. I'm going to tell you you need to see an ENT.
3: Is it on the inside of your lip or on the outside of your lip, on the skin? Outside. You could also see a dermatologist.
0: Yeah, if you have a dermatologist you have a relationship with, that would be fine. But, you know, we've got the ENTs in the studio. They're saying to go see an ENT. So, but uh, either But way. either
2: one would be appropriate, I think. And yeah. both groups would at least have the skill set to be able to assess your lesion and determine the next uh, best steps. But you definitely should go see somebody about it, Harry. All right? Harry, six months too long,
3: man.
5: <laughs> if, if it's cancerous, what kind of treatment can you have on a on lip on the outside like this?
3: It all depends on the extent of the lesion. If it is cancer, the type of cancer, if it's melanoma, that would be treated differently than basal cell, which is the most common skin cancer, or squamous cell carcinoma. Um, So there's a lot of factors that play into how you would get treated.
2: I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is, but I think the most important thing is making sure that it's not, Harry, because there are lots of other things that it possibly could be um, that wouldn't even take you down that road, but you will never know what the most appropriate treatment is until you figure out exactly
0: what's going on there. And if it does have to come off, if it has to be, you know, surgically taken off, better to do it while it's small. That is true. indeed. But go get it checked out.
5: Thank you, I appreciate
0: it. Absolutely, you got all Good these women to on the you. show telling you what to do. So get it checked out, Harry. Thank you for calling. All right, we're going to stay on the phone lines next and go to Walter, who's calling from Oxford. Hey, Walter. Uh, hello. Good morning. You have Hi. a question about oral cancer?
5: Well, I have a brother-in-law who was diagnosed with tonsil cancer, and. Uh didn't realize that he even had his tonsils, which I understand that quite a few people do still keep them, but um, it's uh, gotten pretty bad in, into his lymph nodes now, and they um, luckily did not have to have a resection that chemo's going to, to work. It had not spread very far from the lymph nodes, but it was curious to me or interesting to find out uh, that this type of cancer is usually caused from oral sex, and that HPV uh, is the issue with it. Uh, could you expound on that a little bit?
3: There are a subset of patients who develop oral pharyngeal, which is the throat or part of the throat cancer that is associated with human papillomavirus, and it is indeed related to oral sex history.
0: So it's that same virus that causes cervical cancer, correct? That's, That's correct. correct. Which is
2: why we talk about sexually transmitted diseases that can lead to cancer. And when you're talking about that, it's, it's the HPV that we're talking about.
0: So really, you could be a non-smoker and get this type of cancer. So don't think that you can't get cancer of the, the throat because you never smoked or drank, right?
4: That's correct. So HPV-related tumors are more common in white men, non-smokers, that is who is at highest risk. They are four more times likely than a woman to get that type of a cancer.
3: And younger than the typical head and neck cancer patient, most of our patients are actually over the age of 50, but you can have oral pharyngeal associated
4: with human papillomavirus cancer younger than age 50. That age ranges um, around 35 to 55, so it starts much younger.
2: Yeah. So this HPV um, infection is something that we really didn't talk about. But um, when we're talking about things that increase your risk, but um, and it, and I think it's because it's such a benign virus initially or it can be um, acquired in a very benign way. You don't necessarily know that you've been infected with the HPV virus. Um, And it is, though, however, listed as the most common sexually transmitted virus. Um, So when you think of all the other things that you can get from sexual interactions, um, HPV is the most commonly transmitted uh, viral infection uh, as a result of sex, whether it's oral or um, penetration of some sort. Correct.
0: Walter, does that answer your questions or do you have any other questions?
5: No, it 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 helps a lot. Thanks,
0: and thanks for bringing it up because that can be a little bit taboo sometimes. So we appreciate your call. Yeah, absolutely. We were going to bring it up at some point, but
5: and
2: we were trying to figure out a way to kind of ease into that conversation, and you
0: just like you threw the softball up in the air. We had to swing for it. (laughs) Well,
5: I hope it helps someone.
0: Indeed, Same, thanks so thank much, thank you, Walter. I'm sure it will. The number to call in is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at women at mpbonline dot org. Our phone lines are currently open. Um, I'm wiping my forehead on that one, so we got
2: past that already. Yeah.
4: Like I mean we'll circle back around. <laughs> but, but it's never, you know, one time you know, through that, that.
2: But I think that's interesting because there's so many times when we have conversations with people and there's a lot of hesitation. There's been way more information and in promotion about the human papillomavirus. We've expanded what we knew about the virus. Now some of the stuff's been the same old story, right? We've known for a long time that it was um, that certain subtypes of the virus caused or contributed to cancer, definitely increased risk in people. especially in those women like, for example, immunocompromised people and other folks who are high risk, then that increases their risk even more. Um, But now, as we've learned about many different subtypes and be able to see how much this virus actually contributes to cancer, I think it's been um, a really big advancement, not only just by the technology of being able to determine that, um, but the other piece is in being able to find targeted ways to address the preventive side. Um, and so, it, but the other part is having the conversations about, you know, how how people actually, how it gets from one person to the yeah. next. Awareness, and, right? Yeah, and, and for people to really know that, that that is even a risk factor. And that's kind of something that we don't really talk about
0: that's right. in the same way. All right, going back to the phone lines, we have Susan who's calling us from Meridian, oh, home of Lana Jackson. There you Lana's home girl. Hey, Susan. Do you know Dr. Jackson? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my question is, I
5: have a small place down on the inside of my cheek toward my gum that is about the size of the end of a Q-tip. And uh, two different dentists that I have used for long periods of time have both said that it is a varicose vein. And uh, it it has not gotten any larger. It really doesn't seem to change, but it is noticeable. It's it's purplish and and bluish uh, in color. And I would just wonder what you all would say about this.
4: So those those are pretty common. Uh, and I would have called it a venous lake, a little a little small uh, vein that had gotten dilated in the mouth. They are typically benign, and I don't normally treat them unless they're really bothering someone. Um, but I would, you know, without seeing it, I would agree with your, your dentist on, on their on their recommendation and their assessment of that.
5: All right. Well, thank you so very much.
4: Absolutely. Well,
0: thank you so much for your call. Thanks, Good. Susan. Bye-bye. So we're having some people call that are very aware of changes going on in their mouths. What are some early signs of oral cancer? What are some things that folks should be looking for in their mouths?
3: anyone who has a one-sided ear pain that's constant that's not normal for an adult well
0: that's and that's very interesting because i don't think a lot of people would necessarily equate that with a potential oral cancer so Absolutely. one-sided ear pain that this is very i think that's a very useful thing to let our listeners know about it's mind-blowing actually yeah who knew like i i, I, I don't know it, it was kind of a surprise to me so, so, what, so my, my ex- you would think something's wrong with my ear
4: Right. right, which is what most people think, and, and sometimes it may be.
2: You may take antibiotics, you might do something else for it, and it's still hurting.
4: Right, That's so the sad. explanation I give the patients is it's just like if you were having a heart attack and your shoulder hurts, right, mm-hmm. so you're told mm-hmm. oh, this is referred pain. The same is true with ear pain and, and uh, oropharyngeal or, or other types of head and neck cancer. So there is a shared nerve. And so when you have a place in your throat that is irritated by a tumor or an infection or, you know, sometimes when you have a a tonsillitis, you may have ear pain with that. Um, It's not necessarily because you're also having an ear infection, but that Mm -hmm. you're you're having that referred pain from that that source that uh, if you're
0: having some persistent pain like that, have a look inside your mouth. Absolutely. Or go see, you know, if it
3: doesn't go away, you know, see your doctor about it. Okay, what else? Non-healing Sore or ulcer inside of your mouth. Okay, like so, it looks like a little crater. And and oftentimes, patients will have antibiotics. Then they'll have another round of antibiotics, and the thing's still there. It needs to be evaluated and biopsied. Now, we all get little ulcers in our mouths from time to
0: time, right? What are some? one that doesn't go away within, and you said a
4: couple of weeks, a couple is of weeks. kind of your Two to three rule weeks. If it's not getting better or gone, then you need to have someone look at that. What
0: about pain versus not being painful? Because a lot of times when I get those little aphthous ulcers, they hurt. So does cancer oh, usually hurt, hurt?
3: Cancer
4: usually
0: hurts. Okay. So it being painful. So that's a little different it- because
2: sometimes, like for example, when we talk about breast cancer. That's right. We usually tell people most of the time breast cancer doesn't hurt. So this is a little different when you're talking about stuff that's in your mouth or in the head and
3: neck. It tends to be So different. it varies by region, but since the mouth or the oral cavity is the most common subsite that's affected by head and neck cancer, usually a lesion of your tongue is going to bother you. You eat, you drink. Mm-hmm. Anytime you swallow or speak, you might accidentally irritate it. So it's going to be involved in your Everyday functioning, Mm -hmm. it's gonna be uncomfortable. Yeah,
2: and I mean, if you think about even when you have those little ulcers and say you eat something salty, like they already hurt, and then you eat something salty or Mm -hmm. something like that, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing ever. So, um, yeah, I could see how
4: that happens, how it'd be really uncomfortable.
0: All right, what's something else to look for?
4: Voice changes, hoarseness. um, that doesn't resolve, or you're not having a cold at the same time. Well, Doctor um, Jackson, you're hoarse right now. I am. You live life horse though. I live life horse. That's <laughs> it's my glottal fry. That's right. And this time of year, a lot some of people, people think are that's horse, sexy, right? Allie. I don't know <laughs> why you're <they're laughs> giving me a hard time over it.
2: There are some people now who are swooning at the sound of your voice. That's assured. Right. That's right. So how about this? How about lymph nodes? Oh, because okay. you know lumps we, in your neck. Huh? Yeah, like any kind of lumps and bumps um, in your neck. Because, you know, sometimes they come and go, for example, because there's a lot of stuff going on in that oral area, right? So you got your dental issues, because if you have problems with dental pain um, or if you have an abscess tooth or something like that, then you can get um, a a swollen node or a little lump that might be small or transient or whatever. If you have some other kind of infectious process going on, if you got a sore throat, sometimes you can get... Um, swollen lymph nodes. Sometimes if there's something going on in your ear, you can get a swollen lymph node. So
3: so, uh, what's this? Is that something that you typically see? We like the two-week mark. Mm-hmm. Again, if you have a lump <laughs> in your neck longer than two weeks, enlarging, not resolving, those are concerning. You and, need to and those will body. not necessarily
4: mm-hmm. be painful. So you're asking about pain versus not pain. Mm-hmm. Those are usually painless swellings in the neck. And so, And a lot of people don't think much about it because it doesn't hurt and they think oh I just had an infection mm-hmm. but but Dr. Jefferson's correct if it's not getting better or it is getting bigger you need to have that evaluated yeah we had
2: a, a family member diagnosed with a very aggressive um, uh, neck cancer and um, it was that was the presenting symptom was this a, a lump that didn't go away it just never resolved and went through the you know, initial evaluation. Oh, it's probably just a, a node. We'll give you a couple of rounds of antibiotics. Still didn't go away and then kind of got bigger. And so then the next step after that was biopsy. It was like, okay, so this is not resolving. It's mm-hmm. time to biopsy.
0: Yeah. So again, being aware of uh, what's normal and what's not, both Absolutely. inside your mouth and uh, in your neck, um, it's really important, folks. So go ahead and give yourself a little feel, have a look. We're going to go to our next break of the hour. Uh, give us a call if you have any questions or comments regarding oral cancer. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Email us if you want at women at mpbonline.org. I couldn't get that out for a second there. This is Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. I am Dr. Allie Brown here with my co-host, Dr. Michelle Owens. Hello. (laughs) And we're talking about oral cancer. We have two head and neck specialists in with us today, Dr. Lana Jackson and Dr. Gina Jefferson. Both are uh, practice at UMMC here in Jackson, Mississippi. We're really glad today to talk about their free oral cancer screening event that's taking place next Wednesday at the Flowood Y, correct? What was the time again? Nine to noon. Nine to noon. Nine to 12. Folks, go on over there and get to meet these lovely ladies. Shouldn't take more than 10 minutes. That's right. Just 10 minutes. In just 10 minutes, free of charge. If you have any questions about head and neck exams or anything about oral neck, um, oral, neck oral, oral cancer neck. or head and neck cancer, give us a call at 1877MPB ring. That's 1-877-672-7464 or email us at women at mpbonline.org. We're going to go back to the phone lines where David is calling us from Port Gibson. Hey David Hi, David.
5: Hey, Good morning. Good morning.
0: I want a uh, question. I want to know: Is oral sex good for your bad? What was that again? Oral sex. Oh, is oral sex good for your bad? Well, it depends on who you ask. I think. <laughs> <Pardon>? <laughs> well, do you want to take this question, Doctor Jackson? You're looking at me
2: and turning red. She's actually turning. Red. She's blushing. You've not.
4: made you've you, made Doctor Jackson blush. There's no way <laughs> that that doesn't happen. No one embarrasses me. Um, So I don't think that's the right question Whether it's good or bad Um, What I would tell you is that It has risk factors Particularly if you have Multiple Sexual partners So the Risk increases The more sexual partners you have Um, If you are in a Long term relationship with someone You're probably Passing a lot more than HPV around So I wouldn't change any of my sexual practices with my partner.
2: And if you are a person who in, who is not in a long-term committed relationship and still chooses to um, have oral sex or, or participate in those kinds of activities, then you still have the opportunity to engage with barrier methods and other kinds of ways to prevent transmission, not only of HPV, but To prevent transmission of other viruses and infections, because um, any sexual activity has the potential, if it is unprotected or if there's no barrier, to transmit um, infections, whether it's bacterial, viral, or other. So just be mindful that the concept of making those decisions wisely and trying to put protection of yourself and your
0: partner at the forefront is always the best option thanks for your call david all right going back to what we were talking about for our cancer screening and some early uh, signs of cancer we talked about the ear pain we talked about a uh, ulcer in your mouth that doesn't heal after two weeks could be painful could be not that doesn't it's not super relevant um we talked about yes, lumps in yes. your neck Changes in your voice, being hoarse. If you're not hoarse all the time, like Dr. Jackson, but so we're going there again. (laughs) No, but so what are some? What are some others? What are some others? Um, Difficulty swallowing. Okay. Pain. Pain when you swallow. Swallowing. Um, and we all get that from time to time, sure. right? When you get a sore throat and it hurts to swallow. Sure. So what are so is this a two week kind of rule again? I,
4: I think that's a it's a two to three week rule. If mm-hmm. if things are getting worse, they're not getting better. If you're if it hurts to swallow and you know four weeks later you've lost twenty five pounds and. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's it's not a normal state for you. You're not not otherwise will, ill, right? Mm-hmm. So you you haven't had another illness. There's no other reason. You know, you just need to have that investigated. What else could be going on? Yeah, that especially might be that weight loss, right? Absolutely. I know a
0: lot of your patients do experience a sure. good bit of weight loss, and it seems like, you know, when you're looking at it from the outside, like wow how can you lose that much weight and sort of not be worried about it? But it happens all the time sure. that folks will yeah. come in and before they know it, they've just lost yeah. a, a ton of weight and that's not normal. That's, right. right.
2: So what about if you have, um, what if you get like Bell's palsy, do you have Bell's palsy present as like a, a symptom of, does that does, do people who Bell's get Bell's, Bell's po- yes, palsy? Yes. Bell's palsy is do a they, diagnosis
3: of exclusion. So
2: do they need to be uh, concerned about cancer if they have
3: Bell's palsy or
2: symptoms that might,
3: Yes. Okay. So that's related to the nerve that moves and controls the muscles of your mouth called or your face called the facial nerve. um, And your saliva gland called the parotid is what that nerve travels through. So you could have a malignancy arising from your parotid gland causing the nerve not to function properly. Or you could have a tumor arising elsewhere in the body spread to the parotid gland and also affect the facial nerve function. So no doctor should diagnose Bell's palsy without doing some type of evaluation, evaluation, which typically involves an imaging study to rule that out.
2: Okay. Well, awesome. That That's really helpful. And it's interesting because that's something that I see a lot in my pregnant patients. Mm-hmm. It's not uncommon. We. Pregnant women get a lot of like nerve inflammation and other kinds of symptoms, so they they can often see worsening carpal tunnel associated with their pregnancy. But um, it's quite uh, common to see a lot. We see a lot of Bell's palsy too. Um, But knowing that that's an important part, like that it is a diagnosis of exclusion, you need to make sure that you've ruled out some of the other things that can also cause those symptoms is really important.
0: Going back to the phones, we have Jeannie who's calling from Bay Springs. Good morning, Jeannie. Good morning. Jeannie Wright, is that the right name? That is it. Okay, I didn't know the spelling. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm giving you proper credit. Well, what's your question, Jeannie?
5: I have a couple of comments. One, my jaw used to go out of whack all the time. You know, it would, it when I was chewing or, you know, chewing gum or eating, it, would, it was driving me crazy. And I told my dentist about it. He, put, he gave me a splint, he made one. And I wear it at night, and since then, no problem right away
4: it was better. Okay. So is that something that's that you guys see from time to time? So you can have ear pain or jaw pain mm-hmm. from inflammation around the joint. So that's the t- uh the temporomandibular joint. So TMJ, is, TMJ, TMJ. Yeah, people talk That's about so that, that a lot. Talks mm-hmm. about and so, a, a splint is a common treatment for that, so that you're relieving pressure off of that joint, along with maybe anti-inflammatory medications and mm-hmm. a soft diet to decrease chewing. And uh, so, that is some. It is another cause of ear or jaw pain, and so it's something that we always evaluate.
0: But not something that necessarily increases your risk for cancer, correct? But okay. you hadn't had that that pain evaluated, and we're found not to have a lesion, but we're found to have that. TMJ pain, right, Jeannie? Yes. Okay. Well, that's good.
5: Thing, I had. It's so odd. I was going to ask you about that lump I have right underneath my ear and my down my jawline. But you answered my question. It's crazy because I was. It was getting. It was like I felt it, and then a week later, it's smaller. So you're saying two weeks, and it's it's going down. So I'll just.
4: That seems like it is going in the right direction.
5: Exactly. But the reason I'm actually calling you is about snoring. I, I snore, and I want some help with that. And I've had the sleep study done, and the, I passed that. They didn't say that I was, you know, needed the CPAP. But I just want to know. And by the way, it was you are having a great show, and I'm learning a great deal from this show, and I appreciate y'all. But the snoring—is there some extra... I bought one of those devices that cost like 100 bucks, and I couldn't wear the thing. It hurts so bad. So um, I don't know what to do. What? Are there exercises that would
0: help?
2: I think that's actually a good question because there are some ENT solutions. Sometimes we actually just had an ENT
0: on a couple of weeks ago yeah. that talked about sleep studies and things like that. These ladies do a lot more on the on the the cancer surgery side. But do you guys have any comments for Jeannie to talk about um, snoring exercises that or she might be able to do to help alleviate she symptoms? She had a she had a good sleep study, so well, that's
4: good. N- so so no no exercises that I'm aware of. However, there are some other. Surgical procedures that can be done to improve snoring, depending on what the source of obstruction is. So if it's your uvula, um, the the back of your throat—that's the little
2: thing that hangs, Mm -hmm. the little punching bag that hangs down the back of your throat. Yeah, (laughs) it's
4: a very scientific explanation. So there are some procedures that can be done on the palate that can improve snoring. Also, some nasal surgeries, septal surgeries to improve airflow through the nose that can decrease snoring. So um, if you have a primary care physician, uh, they may be able to refer you to an otolaryngologist who specializes in sleep surgery. Um, Ours here in Jackson is Dr. Andrea Lewis. She's one of our partners. I'll put a plug in for her. Um, And she is a uh, sleep fellowship trained um, otolaryngologist and certainly could evaluate you and help you out.
2: Any other, but is there anything about the, like, laxity in your neck muscles or your facial muscles that could be changed or improved in order to help with that.
4: Dr. Owens, are you asking about cosmetic surgery to improve your sleep?
2: No, not at all. I sleep pretty regardless. I'll sign up for that. I sleep pretty anyway. No, but she had specifically asked about exercise. I think the the piece that I was hearing, at least, was that she might have been interested in some non-surgical interventions or she may have been decided not to be a surgical candidate. So in the absence of surgical options, is there anything else that could be done? That was all. Maybe a breathe right strip. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. That kind of so opens open up the nasal up. Passages. Yeah, open things up. Well, thanks so much for your thanks call. Thanks for Jean. your we really call. Appreciate
4: Jean. it. Who was that doctor? Uh, Andrea Lewis.
0: Andrea Lewis.
4: That's thank right. So at UMMC. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Gene. Good luck to you. Bye bye. Thank you.
0: All right, we're going to take our next break of the hour. If you have any questions or comments about oral cancer or oral cancer screening, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also email us at women at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy for Women from MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. I almost just said welcome back to MPB Think Radio and not our show. That's us. I'm we're Dr. Still, Allie Brown. I'm here with Dr. Michelle Owens and our guests today, Dr. Gina Jefferson and Dr. Lana Jackson, who are head and neck surgeons at UMMC here in Jackson, Mississippi. They are talking about an upcoming oral cancer screening event and what, just in general what to, to to expect at an oral cancer screening, what are some early signs of oral cancer, why you and your friends need oral cancer screening? That's right. It's important. So let's talk about when and where the event is one more time for the listeners that perhaps are joining us late.
3: The Family YMCA in Flowood is where the event will occur on Wednesday, April tenth. So it's next Wednesday, nine a.m. until noon, and it
0: will take about ten minutes. So ten minutes of your time. You don't free need an appointment, charge, right?
3: Free of charge. First come, first So it's just serve. a walk
0: in type thing. Correct.
4: Okay. And I also heard there was cake and coffee. <laughs>
0: There's, there will be cake and coffee if you're hungry and need a little pick me up. And they don't need to be worried about anything being painful or any invasive tests. It is a, no. a screening, an easy thing. You keep your clothes on, everything no will be fine in 10 no minutes. Scraping. That's the one reason no, I went nothing. into ENT. Because <laughs> you keep your clothes on. Oh, my goodness. Patients right. and the doctor. <laughs> so That's bad. Right. So bad. We did. Well, let me give out the number real fast and then I want to talk about what. Again, go revisit what to expect in these oral cancer screenings. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. This is our last segment, so if you have any questions, go ahead and call in. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also email us at women at mpbonline.org. We talked earlier about how you should be going. First of all, you should be going to the dentist for regular cleanings. You know, twice a year or so. And then when you're there, your dentist should be doing um, oral cancer screening or just an evaluation of your oral cavity, it, what does that entail so we know if that happened to us or not? Like We just assume probably that they're looking in our mouth, that they're going to get to see everything. But like we talked about earlier, there are lots of little crevices and things like that. So what should we expect to experience in a thorough oral examination? Not one you get in school, but one at the dentist.
3: So it can be your dentist or the dental hygienist performing the exam, but typically um, they will manipulate your tongue, whether that's using their fingers digitally or grasping your tongue, usually with a four by four piece of gauze is how my dentist does the exam, moves my tongue around, palpates it, looking for any abnormal um, contour of the tongue, lesion of the tongue, ulcer of the tongue. And moving the tongue around also Mm -hmm. allows him or her to evaluate the back of your throat, Mm -hmm. the sides of the inside of your cheeks on both sides. And of course, your Teeth, your dentition, and the lining that surrounds your teeth. So,
0: really, in order to see kind of the recesses or the crevices, kind of where your cheek is smushed up against your 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 mouth, there, they have to get their fingers in and really run them along the inside and spread your buccal uh, mucosa or your cheek mucosa open to see really what's down in there. So if you're not experiencing that during your dental exams, then folks, you're not having a thorough oral cancer screening and you should consider coming to the screening event next week or just asking your dentist, you know, could you make sure that you do a thorough uh, oral uh, screening exam, you know, today or something like that? Yeah.
2: And I think it's also important. We talked about things that are um, big risk factors. Um, We talked about like a, a viral etiology with the human papillomavirus and also about um, exposure to all types of tobacco as well as alcohol use. And I think it's really important because I think sometimes I, I know the, the the smokers in our listening audience are kind of like rolling their eyes. They're like, yeah, because smoking is kind of treated as like the root of all evil. And there's so many things that it's linked to. But I think that the, the messages can be very different one to the other. And so recognizing that it's all types of tobacco because, you know, people say, oh, well, it's better for you to chew tobacco than it is for you to smoke a cigarette. And that's that was kind of the messaging around lung cancer prevention, right? like yeah, you the think, Gosh, I'm not inhaling. Absolutely, this must not right. Be so, bad. so, so the concept Sorry, of the case. Yep. of of the quote safety of the non inhalable or non burning tobacco products, um, I think that that's probably a misperception, and people need to know that even if it potentially may decrease your risk of lung cancer. It definitely does not impact your risk for oral cancer like that. It doesn't go away. You're not doing yourself a favor there. Yeah. And um,
0: esophageal, this cancer of the esophagus as well.
2: Absolutely. So I just
0: think that's important for
2: people to, to understand because we know so much now about um, about cancer and, and its origins. There's still a lot more we don't. But I think that sometimes those messages can kind of get muddled or mushed up and people may mistake or transpose you know one message and think that that means something across the board when it actually may be very disease specific.
0: That's a good point. We we only have a couple more minutes. Um, What about folks who have things like dentures or these oral appliances? Um, Are there any special considerations for those patients?
4: Well so when we were talking about different um, signs and symptoms of oral cancer so you know loose dentition you know if your, your teeth, teeth are, are moving that shouldn't happen when you're an adult happen, right yeah. normally when you're an adult um if you wear a denture and the denture doesn't fit like it had been fitting so that's something that you should be aware of because that could be because something is growing in your mouth that is making that malpositioned mm-hmm. so if that can you,
3: also be a risk factor having a poor fitting denture absolutely. because it's constant irritation of the lining mm, it's rubbing mm-hmm. oh.
4: also if you are a smokeless tobacco user and you have a denture those products and mixed with your saliva can get trapped underneath those appliances which actually holds it against the mucosa for a longer period of time which can increase your risk of development of a cancer so, so clean the denture or oral appliance absolutely. every day absolutely and and also when you you know when you're going to your physician taking you know, we always have our patients take their dentures out for us to examine their mouth because things can hide under that and mm-hmm. and you know you may catch something late because you didn't bother to take out your denture when you went to your physician.
0: Yes, yeah, so always let people know if you're wearing some sort of a removable appliance and, and things like that, so they can get a really thorough evaluation. All right, and even if you're wearing dentures, come to that oral cancer screening. Absolutely. We'll pop them out, yeah, right? You can pop have them have out right? We'll pop them out, and we'll take a look
2: around, and
0: you know, make sure that everything is everything's good. So we talked a lot of, about a lot of great things today, a lot of things to look out for if you have risk factors or even if you don't have risk factors for, um, for, for getting oral cancer. Do you guys have any pearls of wisdom to leave the audience
4: with? Stop smoking. <laughs> yeah, right. We- put them down. Put down the tobacco. All right.
0: I think that's a mic drop. We've uh, talked about that before. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. It, it's been a great show. And you guys, I think, have... We always educator love our having them here. Yeah, exactly. always so good. We get the dynamic they're duo. I feel like the Wonder great Twins team. are here. Yeah, UMC is really uh, lucky to have you guys uh, on their head and neck cancer service. Today's Southern Remedy was produced and engineered by Jay White. Our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo. With Dr. Michelle Owens, I am Dr. Allie Brown. Thank you for being with us. Join us next week friday at 11 again for next southern remedy for women npr's here and now is next on mpb think radio